All right. Today I want to talk to you about changing our focus. For many people, this current COVID-19 crisis has been the most polarizing event in their lifetimes. News stations, internet news feeds, and social media threads are flooded with reports and updates and opinions from every perspective imaginable. Yet if you think that nothing could change your focus today, then you are mistaken. For Sunday, April 5th, marks the beginning of Holy Week on the church calendar. For those who have taken on the name of the Lord, calling themselves Christians as we do ourselves, this week is a time like no other, where we truly identify with Jesus, seeing what He saw, hearing what He heard, feeling what He felt, and becoming fixated on the cross and on our God. Therefore, if we are who we say we are, we must change our focus. It must be squarely on the Lord Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Deliverer, our Messiah, and our King. But what does it mean to change our focus? Does it simply mean that we need to put our attention on our Holy Week traditions and our remembrances? No. In fact, part of the intentional effort that we all must make is to be drawn not to the happenings around Jesus, but to His perspective on each event. That is how we truly identify with Him, with His sufferings and with His purpose. As we look into the Word of God today through the lens of Jesus instead of ourselves, we will see a very different perspective. Some things will be familiar, and other things will challenge your perspective of how you see Holy Week, and more importantly, how you see Jesus. My prayer is that this study will completely change our focus, making Jesus the most polarizing topic in our lives, regardless of what is going on around us. While many begin today's focus centering on what is known as the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, let us instead begin way before that. This time of sacrifice on the cross was on God's mind long before anyone else even heard of Jesus. Throughout the Old Testament, God spoke through people to prophesy the events surrounding the life of Jesus, culminating in this Passion Week that we now remember. Isaiah helps us to set our focus as we begin with this prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. Speaking prophetically from a first-person narrative, as from the eyes and the heart of Jesus, Isaiah begins. In Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6, I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame or spitting. You see, though Jesus endured great pain and torture and cruel treatment beyond belief, He did not back down from any of it. He freely subjected Himself to this persecution because He was giving a gift of His very life as a sacrifice for mankind. 
Because He freely laid down His life, He was free to pick it back up again. No one took His life from Him. Jesus freely submitted to all of it. Even when He knew it was coming, He didn't flinch. He was focused on the cross. He gave His back. He gave His face. He gave His willingness to make a way for us. Isaiah 50, verse 7, For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Though we all would have turned back or probably even avoided Jerusalem ourselves altogether, this would not be the case for Jesus. Like a boat that trims its sails and turns directly into the storm, Jesus placed His trust completely on God the Father to help Him, to strengthen Him, to see Him through, as He resolutely set His face like a flint to go to the cross. It is this picture, this perspective, that must begin our remembrance of Passion Week. He didn't merely look forward to His entry into Jerusalem on what is now celebrated and known as Palm Sunday. Jesus had one goal in mind, the cross. This is why He came to earth. This was the reason for the incarnation. He knew if He kept His eyes on the cross to be the payment for our sins, then God would take care of the rest. The Lord would see Him through. Jesus had to set His focus and keep it there. Thus, with this iron-set focus, we continue our study through the lens of Christ our Lord. Let's go to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 2. 1 and 2. I'm going to begin here. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. Verse 3, And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately He will send them. Verse 4, All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. What exactly was happening here? Why would Jesus ask His disciples to go loose a donkey and a colt? This was certainly not the way a normal king would make His entrance. The reason that Jesus entered this way was to fulfill a prophecy of Zechariah where he prophesied that Jesus would make his triumphal entry into Jerusalem sitting on a donkey and a young colt. For those who were waiting for the Messiah, they would have immediately recognized the fulfillment of this prophecy. Behold, here came their king. But why was he arriving on a donkey and a colt. 
Aren't these animals of peace and submission? After all, kings usually made grand entrances, riding in on a stallion or a great steed or a war horse. But for Jesus, His entrance would be different. The people were so excited about the prophecy being fulfilled that they didn't understand the full meaning behind it. In their minds, they expected their king to ride into Jerusalem and overthrow the Roman occupation with power, releasing them from their bondage of the government. Matthew 21, verses 6 and 7. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. The donkey and the colt had greater meaning than the people realized. The donkey was older and steadied the colt, who was new and was never ridden on until now. The donkey represented the old covenant, the law, while the colt represented the new covenant, which would soon be consummated through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. Jesus entered Jerusalem, sitting on both of them. He did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. In doing so, He would offer the new and everlasting covenant. Both covenants support one another, just as both animals supported Jesus as He entered Jerusalem for this Passion Week. And yet the people who worshipped Jesus as He entered on these two animals did so without understanding the full meaning behind this entrance. In fact, because they expected their king to come and overthrow the Roman government, they were already putting conditions on their praises to their new king. Matthew 21, verse 8. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down branches from trees and spread them on the road. See, as the multitude threw down clothes and palm branches, they began praising Jesus as He entered in. Matthew 21, verse 9. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna! Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! This is often what is celebrated on Palm Sunday commemorations. Yet we must understand that the people who praised Jesus at the beginning of the week were the same people, people who shouted, Crucify Him at the end of the week. In other words, these praises were conditional and based on the people's expectation of how the kingdom of God should be ushered in. Throwing down palms is one thing. But throwing down your will is a completely different thing altogether. We must be ever careful that our praise to God is never conditional and never based on our expectation of what God should do or how His kingdom should function and flow. As subjects of Jesus our King, our duty is to submit to Him and trust Him, especially when we don't understand everything that's going on, much like today. 
because His love for us is unconditional, the true response is to praise Him unconditionally. To do this, we need to begin to see God and His kingdom with our hearts instead of merely through our eyes and our minds. In other words, we too often get hung up on what we see around us as injustice or events that are lacking God's intervention as we are tempted to reason why God is not doing more or not doing what we think He should be doing in such a time as this. However, when we offer our praise and worship from our hearts, it does not change based on the situation around us, no matter how difficult it may seem or how confusing it may appear. In fact, in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, Jesus is speaking. He's giving direction and these words of encouragement. And He says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. This is the breakthrough revelation that we need to be able to change our focus. It is the only way that we can begin to put greater attention on our God than on the events surrounding us, especially today in the middle of this current crisis. We must worship Him in spirit and in truth. For truth does not change. God is sovereign. He is in control. He is still sitting on the throne right now. He is still our King, calling each one of us to place our trust solely in Him, to offer our praise and worship to Him alone, regardless of what is going around us. To worship Him in spirit and truth. We must ask God first to open the eyes of our hearts so that we can truly see Him as our King. When we see God through the eyes of our hearts, we identify with Him. Our hearts break for the same things that break God's heart. Now you may ask, what breaks God's heart? Well, we look to the Word as we continue to see Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. For the purpose of this day for Jesus was not simply to just arrive on a donkey and a colt to the praises of the people. Jesus' heart was set on the people to whom He was sent. We pick up this day on Luke chapter 19, verses 41 and 42. Now as Jesus drew near, He saw the city, and He wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, Verse 43, For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side. Verse 44, And level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another 
because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because He loved them. But they completely missed the boat on the reason that He came to them. They were so stuck in either in their traditions or in their preconceived thoughts of how their king should administer justice that they didn't know the time that was appointed unto them. They didn't know the time of their visitation. Even though they had been studying the law and the prophets their whole life, they completely missed it when Jesus came directly to them. Jesus had the greatest gift to give all who would freely receive Him. And yet they not only missed it here, but they would continually reject Him in the future. Waiting for a king in their eyes that would never come on their terms. This is what broke God's heart back then. And this is still what breaks His heart today. His heart breaks when people get wrapped up so much in traditions and self-seeking, relying on their perspectives and their comfort and logic without seeking the throne of God and His eternal truth. His heart breaks when we try to attain peace or pleasure or satisfaction by pursuing the things which gratify the flesh instead of feeding our spirit. His heart breaks when people do not repent of their sins and remain unwilling to turn to Him as their only Savior, as their only Deliverer and Redeemer of mankind. Yet God never stops trying to get our attention. Continually using all things to bring us to Him. Even in our current crisis today, which has gripped the entire world, there are still people looking to blame others and point the finger instead of turning to God for hope and for deliverance and for forgiveness. Listen, God does not cause pandemics or catastrophes. But out of His infinite wisdom and perfect love for us, He allows them in our lives with the hope that we will repent and turn to Him. It is His greatest desire that we catch a glimpse of how God is right now appearing to each of you right now. He is calling us to come closer to Him. He is yearning to hear from each one of us individually. And while more and more people are turning to news stations and the internet and social media to find hope and direction or an outlet for their confusion and frustration, it truly breaks God's heart as His words still ring throughout the world. They did not know the time of their visitation. Brothers and sisters, let us ask God to open the eyes of our hearts so that we can truly see Him in the middle of this crisis. Let us humble ourselves and turn to Him in repentance, asking for forgiveness for not putting our complete trust in Him today. Let us allow God to break our hearts for the same reason that His heart is broken. That there are still so many, many people who have not turned to Jesus to accept the sacrifice He has made 
for our sins. Matthew 21, verses 10 and 11. And when Jesus had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. You see, even after the crowds had praised Him, they still didn't know fully who Jesus was. They considered Him a prophet, a mere man that would bring about a man-made kingdom and man-made ways that could be understood by the mind of a man or woman or child. Let me ask you, how do you see Jesus today? Have you been worshiping Him as a prophet based more on what you see and perceive rather than on the truth that He is sovereign through it all? Are you willing to press in this week that we recognize as Holy Week? Are you willing to press in and allow God to truly change your focus so that Jesus is the polarizing event of our time? This is not a question that you answer merely with an amen or with a nod of your head. God the Father is looking for those to worship Him in spirit and in truth. He is looking for your heart to respond. He is looking for your knees to bend. He is waiting for your spirit to cry out to Him, not as a prophet coming to you, but as Jesus Christ, the Son of God and your King, high and lifted up, shining in the light of His glory. Lord God, pour out Your power and love as we cry, Holy, 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 Holy is our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to You today and we ask You to open the eyes of our hearts that we may see You. Please join us in our next song.